Thank you. Good to see all of you. Um, like Denise said, I'm the director of Do For One. We're a one-to-one -one relationship building program uh, where we help establish freely given one-to-one -one relationships for people who are living in social isolation. And typically, um, the people we serve have some kind of disability which keeps them in isolation. Sometimes the services that they rely upon on a day-to-day -day basis furthers their isolation. And um, before I get started in the message, I just wanted to, to mention that um, we've been working with an elderly man who, who lives in Elmhurst Health Center, which is East Elmhurst by uh, the airport, by LaGuardia Airport. Um, and we're looking for somebody who has a car um, who would be willing and able to visit this man once a month to maybe once every six weeks, something like that, to spend time with him, take him outside of the nursing facility, um, have breakfast with him perhaps, have some conversations, help run some errands for him. Um, he has some things that he likes to get that the nursing home cannot provide. And so he's looking for somebody who can, you know, take him to the drugstore and take him to the grocery store and buy a new hoodie every once in a while, you know, as the weather changes, things like that. So if that interests you at all or if you're intrigued, I'd love to talk to you about that. So every once in a while, I come across an article um, that so articulates the spirit of our time. And whenever I come across those articles, I like to save them and go back to them and recommend them. There's no better way to sound really smart, by the way, than to say, I read an article the other day. <laughs> well, I read an article several years ago that really struck me because it captured the spirit of our technological age. It was in New York Magazine, and the title of the article was, was I Used to Be a Human Being. Andrew Sullivan reflects on the effects that technology has had on us. And he says this, quote, the reason we live in a culture increasingly without faith is not that science has somehow disproved the unprovable, but because the white noise of secularism has removed the very stillness in which it might endure or be reborn. And I admit, for me, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of noise in my mind time to time. It's like a crowded room full of all sorts of thoughts and ideas and, and concerns and fears and self-doubt. You know, it's like this crowded room where multiple people are speaking at once and it's like white noise, you know, and it drowns out the ability to just focus on one thing at a time. It can be hard to be fully present in the moment. Even as I speak, there's probably multiple thoughts that are racing through your minds right now, right? It's just... It's the age that we live in. There's so much demanding for our attention. Maybe you felt your phone buzz while I was just talking. Ooh, I wonder who that was. As a result, there's been a growth in popularity of mindfulness and meditation practices. Many say these practices have become popular because of the immense amount of distractions that we face every day. And these practices are intended to help a person become more fully present, both physically and mentally. Even just simply by focusing our mind on one thing at a time, which can be so challenging. And meditation and, 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 and these mindfulness things can, can help us to not feel overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on around us. And we have a soundtrack for our sermon today. <laughs> um, so this goes on to show um, that 
we're all looking for peace of mind. We're all looking for ways to connect with the deeper parts of reality. And given all that's going on in our time and place, prayer should really be at the top of our list, but it's not. We turn to other things. All the major religions have regular practices of prayer. Muslims typically pray five times a day. Jews typically pray three times a day. Christians have many various forms of prayer. Some say Christians ought to pray five times a day. Some people say Christians ought to pray seven times a day. And the more contemporary uh, uh, practice that we might be familiar with uh, uh, is, uh, is quiet time, right, or our morning devotionals. Prayer is a conversation with the living God, the creator of all things. But yet we don't seem to be very interested in it. And we find all sorts of other ways to fill that void that our souls have to be in connection with God. There's yet another phenomenon that you would find all kinds of articles about these days. Articles about artificial intelligence and all of the developments surrounding that. And we seem to be more interested in talking to chat GPT than we do to talk to the living God. We can talk to Siri. We can talk to Alexa. We can talk to Echo. Is there an Echo? Any Echo fans? I don't know. I don't even know what that is, but I think that's one of them. But all of those things are, all that, all that those things are doing is collecting a bunch of data that we've already created as human beings and just spitting it back at us. It's impressive, it's interesting, but it's not coming up with anything new or original. Our souls are thirsty and longing for a drink of the living water that comes from God, and we're too busy talking to Echo. In Jeremiah 33, the Lord says, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So all of this technology can take a back seat because the Holy One always remains unmatched. From the depths of the heavens, he can impart wisdom into you. Technology cannot do that. So my efforts today is to entice you towards prayer, that you and I would call unto the living God and discover unsearchable things. And to do that today, I want to be talking about the different elements of prayer and how to practice them. Last week, uh, Pastor Chris talked about why we pray, and this sermon will be focused on how we pray. Prayer is an essential, even vital part of following the way of Jesus. The verse I'd like to concentrate on on this sermon is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul is writing to the church about being ready for the coming of the Lord, for the return of the Lord, being ready, being prepared. I just want to read a few of the surrounding verses of, of, uh, of chapter 5, verse 17 uh, from 1 Thessalonians, and then we'll pray and get into it. So 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning at verse 17, says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me read verse 17. Pray continually. Let's pray.
Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we ask that you would speak to our hearts. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. There's another translation of this verse. It's two words, by the way. Pray continually. There's another translation that says, never stop praying. And I like the clarity and the accessibility of that phrase. You might be familiar with other translations that say, pray without ceasing. So there's pray continually, pray without ceasing, but we'll stick mostly with never stop praying. There's just something about that that hits me in a fresh way. Never stop. But don't let that intimidate you. I think it's something that we can all learn to do. And we'll address this by responding to two questions. Never stop praying. What does that mean? Never stop praying. How do we do it? So what does it mean? One of the most important aspects to any healthy relationship is having good communication. You simply cannot have a healthy relationship with somebody without communicating with them. Good communication builds trust, helps resolve conflicts, and helps us bring us closer to the ones we love. Let's say you decide to go to a Broadway musical with a friend, and you're asking, where will we meet? What show should we see? Who's going to buy the tickets? Should we do dinner before or after? Where should we have dinner? Do we still have to wear our masks? Right? I can't find my vaccination card. What do I do? Obviously, the only way to work all these things out is by communicating. And then after the play, we can say, wow, I enjoyed that play. What did you think? You know? Did you see that part? Did you see this part? Dude, were you sleeping most of the time? Were you bored? Communication does not have to be words spoken either. It can be body language, hand gestures, and so on. I know a few people with speech impairments, for example, and their speech is limited, but for those who take the time to get to know them, there can be a depth in the connection you have with them. In fact, people who communicate differently can open us up to new and deeper realms of what it means to have a relationship with somebody. Most communication for us, though, is fast and utilitarian. Where will we meet? What will we do? Pass me the bread. <laughs> Excuse me. Get out of my way. Right? We communicate, but we're talking at people and we're telling them what to do. Long conversations where we share our deeper thoughts and explore ideas is also an essential part of our relationships. But too often, even conversations where we're just sharing ideas and opinions turn into debates. Even with our friends, we try to be the winner of the conversation. But conversations where there is no agenda, no winner or loser, at the end of the day, those are the kinds of conversations that establish good health and good relationships. You simply cannot have a meaningful relationship with anyone without communication. And so, in the same way, you cannot have a relationship with God without prayer. There are times we set aside to pray. We set aside time to pray. There are times we pray in community. And then there is prayer as a way of being. And I think that's what Paul is trying to get at when he says in that verse, never stop praying. 
He's saying to pray every day in every circumstance, every conversation you have with another person. It can be a habit we form where we are always in communication with God throughout the day in prayer and all that we do. I text my wife throughout the day. How are you? How's your day going? Oh, I'm sorry you're having a hard time. Find an interesting gift that expresses how I'm feeling. And then sometimes we get into text fights. You guys ever have text fights? Text fights are the worst. The way I end my wife and I's text fights is I find a kitten and a puppy taking a nap together. That always wins her heart over. We can have this kind of dialogue with God, too, throughout the day. In our hearts, we can say, Lord, this day is long. I'm tired. I'm frustrated at my coworkers. Lord, what should I say to this person? We can even complain, make our complaints known to God, you know? We can say, Lord, how long am I going to have to be in this job? We can say, Lord, how long is it going to take for this F train to show up, right? The point is that we can develop a regular practice of connecting with God throughout all things. Prayer is a way of being. Never stop praying. Over time, prayer also has a way of orienting us through life's perplexing challenges. Let's say you go on a two-week-long road trip between New York City to L.A. It's something I've always wanted to do. Would anybody like to go with me? Yeah? All right. Farrah and I are going on a road trip to, New, from, to, to L.A. from New York. We're going to hit traffic. It's going to take us three hours to get into New Jersey. <laughs> it's going to be some moments where we regret this idea. But then we hit the open road and we see mountains. We see the open fields of the Midwest. We see the deserts of the Southwest. You know, we finally get to our destination. And then we have a week to come back and enjoy. We would have a friendship like no other because of the experience we had together. And from that point on, we can go back and we see each other and we can be like, remember when we took that road trip together? Wasn't that amazing? That seems like forever ago, doesn't it? You have a friend like no other when we have experiences like that. That's one of the reasons why our church retreats are so important. When we set aside time for two or three days straight, we get together as a community outside of the city. We, we, we develop these experiences together, and we can say, hey, remember on the retreat when? Remember on the retreat? You know? Or perhaps, do you know that feeling when you see an old high school friend or an old college friend or a, or a former colleague? You run into that person. Hey, it's been forever. How have you been? You know? Wow, you have children now. That's amazing. I don't know about you, but every time I have conversations like that, I walk away feeling a bit reflective, thinking to myself, wow, time has flown. You know? Sometimes it's an uplifting sort of reflection, and sometimes it's a little sad. But either way, it causes me to reflect. It moves me toward growth. It moves me towards, wow, like, here's, it orients me back to reality of where I am and where I want to be and, and things like that. My point is that there's no other companion like God the Father for your journey. Over time, as we live a life of prayer, we can have these reference points with him, and we can say, Lord, remember when I first gave my life over to you and you lifted me out of depression? Lord, I thank you again 
You took me from, 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 rocky, from, from, from weak foundation to a solid foundation, and I'll never forget that. And then we can say, Lord, it's been really challenging lately, and, and your presence seems far from me. But do you remember when you pulled me out? Do you remember when you delivered me? Lord, will you deliver me again? He can be with you through it all. And through prayer that never stops, we can develop these, these reference points for our lives, kind of like when Abraham set up altars. You know, we have memories with God. There are times when I pray and I say, Lord, for, thank you for bringing me this far. You know how weak I am, and I've, I've seen how you answered me and you've carried me. Other times of confession, I might say, Lord, I can't believe I'm still here. I can't believe I still struggle with these same things. Oh, Lord, will you come and break through? An awareness of God's presence makes us holier and more honest. If we lie or if we gossip or if we hold bitterness in our hearts towards someone or anything else, we become aware that God was with us and God is with us and that changes us. That changes our demeanor in circumstances. When we're aware of his presence, we, we notice how we're behaving and how we're interacting with people more. And so that makes us holier and more honest. If we travel down a bitter path, we begin to notice that God is waiting for us at the intersection. But when we practice the presence of God, we realize that he's not with us, and that would cause us to stop and to turn back, right? But if we're not developing these habits, then we may continue on in the journey and not even notice that he's gone. But God is not with us or hovering over us or monitoring us like the police or like an angry parent. The most comparable dynamic I can think of, again, is between a husband and a wife. When Allie and I have dinner with other couples or other friends, I don't know if any of you get this question, but it seems like someone's always wanting to ask, so who does most of the cooking? <laughs> and I become aware right away that I cannot lie, I cannot fabricate, you know? My response is, she does. <laughs> Who does most of the cooking, right? We look at each other. It's because we know each other. We see each other on a day-to-day -day basis. And I know that when she's with me, I cannot lie or fabricate, right? So in the same way, when we fall short and when we sin in some way, our awareness of God through a habit of prayer leads us to confession. And that's a key part of our daily prayer. The more we pray, the more we become aware that our sin does not just affect those around us, but it affects God. We hurt our relationship with God. It doesn't end our relationship with God, or disqualify us or something like that. It just simply hurts him. Psalm 51 is a, is a psalm of repentance. When David confesses and repents of his sins, he says, I sinned against you, God, and you only. And although David's sins were horrendous, you can tell that he had an intimate relationship with God because his response in his repentance is by saying, I've hurt you, God. You know, that's a sign of intimacy. One common misconception of prayer is that it's a one-way conversation where we make requests to God and we wait for his answer. It's like these utilitarian conversations that I mentioned earlier, right? Where should we meet? Where should I go? What should I say? 
right? Pass me the ketchup. Making requests is part of prayer. And we covered this aspect of prayer in previous sermons. But prayer is a two-way conversation. And we should pray, we should pay attention not only to whether or not God answers our individual prayers, but also whether or not we are growing in fruitfulness as we pray. Rather than focusing on the outcome of prayer all the time, we ought to focus on the fruitfulness of our prayers. Maybe he will answer in the exact way that I'm hoping. Maybe he will not. But if I continue to pray it through, I will become more like God in the process. And this is worked out in us as we develop habits of prayer, of always being aware of God's presence. We become more loving in our relationships as we pray because regardless of how we respond, our hearts begin to soften toward people in our lives and situations. And, and we enter into the heart of God and we start to see things the way he sees them. Have you ever talked to somebody who's gone through really hard times, but they pray through it faithfully? And on the other side, even if the outcome wasn't quite what we were hoping, on the other side, you see beauty in that person. You see faithfulness, integrity, character in that person. That's what I mean by paying attention to the fruitfulness of our prayers, not just the outcome of our prayers. When we struggle to love others and when we are anxious and when we are frustrated with others, we can pray that God would change our hearts and change the way we see them. We develop a habit of prayer. So even two or three seconds prayers between sentences in conversations, Lord, help me. Lord, be with me. Lord, help me to see this person the way you see them. We commonly say, God is my strength. We sing it, we say it. But the only way to live it is by praying, is by saying, God, be my strength. When we make it a habit of prayer, our instincts change. Even when we face opposition in life, we've got a friend who holds us through it all. To never stop praying means to develop a deep abiding dependence on God, and, and that habit gets woven into our hearts so even when we're not directly speaking to God or setting aside a time to specifically pray, we're constantly aware of his presence, constantly aware that he's with us, and that changes us. So that's a bit of what it means to never stop praying. How do we do it? Prayer without stopping can sound intimidating, and we might think that we should feel guilty for every time we're not kneeling over our bed with tears rolling down our eyes in prayer, you know? But what we're talking about is a daily habit of prayer where we're in a constant conversation, you know, kind of similar to the way Allie and I will constantly be texting each other throughout the day. We can continue to make a connection with God. In this sense, God becomes a companion. You know, when you're, when you're texting someone, I'm sorry for all the text examples, but... It's the way we communicate these days. Anybody get a phone call these days? I don't get phone calls very often. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, um, when you're in a texting conversation and you see the bubbles, you know the bubbles on your phone, and you see them and you, you want to pretend like you have better things to do than to just stare at your phone and wait for the message to come through. But you don't. You're just, you're dying to know what the person's going to say. 
Well, that's the kind of heart posture that we should have towards God. There's a sense in which there's always bubbles coming from heaven. God is always wanting to commune with us and speak with us. But are we on the other side eagerly waiting? And in the same way, God has your text bubbles. And he's eagerly waiting for what you have to say to him. When trouble arises, our default should be, oh, Lord, help me. What should I say? What should I do? We can walk down the street on a nice day, and we can just say, thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful day. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. How do we develop a habit of prayer, of Prayer is a way of being. I want to help you understand this and for all of us, not just a select few of us. And I want to talk about it in a way that feels accessible to you, doable. As much as I would love to say, please don't feel any pressure to do this, you know. Um, this is vital for all of us. As Pastor Chris said last week, it's like breathing. It would be like saying, if you don't enjoy exercise, don't do it. Or if you don't like the taste of vegetables, don't eat them. No. Prayer in the same way is essential to our health. Paul in the New Testament says to Timothy, train yourself to be godly. So prayer is rewarding, but it's also a bit like exercise in the sense that the reward sometimes comes later. It doesn't always feel good. Sometimes we experience peace and tranquility in prayer, but oftentimes it can feel like a bit of a struggle. But the more you pray, the more you become familiar with God's voice. How many of you would love to become more familiar with God's voice? If my mom were to call, my mom still calls, come to think of it. She still calls me. I don't text much with her. Um, if she were to call from a number, from an unknown number, within a split second, I would recognize that it's my mom. Why do you think that is? Well, it's because her voice is one of the most familiar voices that I know. I've heard her voice since childhood. If my wife were to call, from an unknown number. In a split second, I would know it's her. If I'm, in a, if, I, if I'm in a separate room as her and I hear footsteps, I would know they're her footsteps because I know the velocity of those footsteps and I know the pace at which she walks. And in the same way as we develop habits of prayer, we can become familiar with God's voice. How wonderful would it be if we can go throughout our day and suddenly... God's speaking to me. Wouldn't you love to have that? I know I would. And I know it's a daily discipline to develop the, the ability to do that. It's like learning an instrument, you know? It takes practice. It does take routine. I'm not suggesting that we hear God's voice audibly, per se. It's a spiritual knowledge, right? It's a spiritual knowledge. And maybe sometimes it takes just moments of silence, Moments of waiting. Is that you? 
Lord, I think that's you. These are things that we can't explain. We can't put them in language. But the Spirit of God can explain to you personally. And so I pray that for you. We're entering into a time of prayer and fasting this week for seven days. So this is a good time to establish habits of prayer. Um, So one way to approach this this week is to set aside a time each day to read the devotional that Pastor Chris has laid out for us. And the Lord's Prayer is our focus, and he has a devotional attached to each section. So you can read through the devotional, read the scripture, and use that as a helpful guide. So if you're able to set aside time each day this week, um, it doesn't have to be long. You know, it could be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you feel that you're able to do. But use that guide as a help. And if you're able to, you could even set aside two or three times where you're stopping to pray. Again, just to develop that habit, to become more familiar with his voice. The more we do that throughout the day, the, more, the better the habit we have of talking to him all the time, having an ongoing conversation with God. So here are some elements of prayer. It's one thing to talk practically about how to pray in the sense of, you know, carve out your time for quiet time. But what do we do during that time? Well, throughout all church history, there's been many different methods for prayer, and I just want to lay out a few elements that have a long history in various church traditions. Um, I, I tried to lay them out in plain language and somewhat simplistically so that we can all grasp them and begin to practice them this week. So as you pray through the, each section of the Lord's Prayer this week, you can paraphrase the verses to make them your own. So we have um, a slide with just a few of those verses. And, We'll put them up. So let's say, you know, you're sitting down and you, you start with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You can say those words to God and then begin to paraphrase the meaning of that, those words from your own heart. So you can say, Lord, you're so great. Lord, you created the heavens and the earth. Lord, you created me. Lord, this day is a gift given by you. Lord, look at this, the vastness of this city. Look at the beauty of the world that you've created. Blessed be your name. And then we can say, your kingdom come. And you can say, yes, Lord. Mend these broken relationships in my life. You can say, let your kingdom come in my family. Let your kingdom come in this city. Bring about justice for those who are experiencing oppression. Let your kingdom come. So do you see what I mean? Do you see how you can start with the word and then you can pray through the word by expressing, you jump off of the truth of God's word and start to pray, you know, uh, around the meaning of those words. Here's another uh, slide, and I'm just going to go through these point by point quickly. So pray the word. That's the first one that I just talked about. As you begin to pray, you may get evoked and get a sense of what to pray and how to pray. And to begin moving in this direction, you either start with the scripture, as I have just done, or, or, or maybe you just start thinking about something about God or, or something that weighs heavily on your mind, something that is disrupting peace in your life, and just allow your heart to be stirred and begin to talk to God the way that you would talk to a good friend, someone that you love and trust. Just begin to try it. Even if you're somebody here who doesn't pray much or hasn't ever tried praying, just begin to talk. It's like, God, if you're there, I'm worried about this. 
I'm, 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 I'm feeling burdened and overwhelmed by that, right? We just begin to talk to God. Just begin to try it and see where it goes. See where God takes you in it. If no senses are evoked, you might meditate on the scripture. Take time to meditate and understand the scripture verse. Or even just a few seconds, or, or even just a few words um, of, of, of a verse, you know. Um, uh, our Father, our Father in heaven. What does that mean? Just start to chew on that word. Start to think about what does that mean? And see if that might help you to begin to pray. But if you do get evoked... If, if something does start stirring in your heart, well, you, might be, you might begin to pray in that direction and into more of a free-form prayer. You might burst out as you pray, and your, your heart begins to cry out to the Lord. And as the Spirit moves, you may even have an encounter with God in, the way, in a way that you've never had before. And in the Spirit, you might find yourself praying about only one thing for 10 minutes or whatever. And you just set the other things aside and just say, you know what? I need to focus on just this one thing for now. These things can wait because the Lord is here. And I just sense that this is the thing that I ought to pray for. But if you don't get a strong sense, that's also okay. Because remember, prayer is a discipline. It's a practice. It's not just a feeling. It's not just waiting for some um, uh, experience to happen. It's, It's also a discipline. And so uh, you can make a list of things you would like to pray for. And again, in the devotional, there's, there's sections where there's reflective questions and you can room to write things down. So even on that booklet, you can write down like, I want to pray for my family. I want to pray for my job. I want to pray for my friend, right? And you've written it down. And then just take a few minutes to say a few sentences about each prayer request. You know, daily discipline, daily practice. Silence can also be a part of our dialogue with God. You know, think of the friendships that you may have where being quiet and not saying a thing can still be meaningful by just being in the same room, being in each other's presence. And along with silence comes the ability to begin listening, become, again, familiar with God's voice in your life. Not every conversation with God needs to be an agenda, right? Like those utilitarian conversations that we tend to have, those one-way conversations, Lord, I want this. Lord, I want that. Lord, do this, right? That's a part of the conversation, but also, Lord, what do you want from me? Lord, what do you want to say to me? Have you ever had times of prayer where you just sit and you say, Lord, I'm not sure what to pray, but I just want to be with you right now. I just want to be aware that you're with me. That's a form of prayer as well. Finally, pray sincerely. If you think prayer is only for these like really super religious people, and if you think prayer ought to sound like really impressive in some kind of way, you know, suddenly like talking in King James language or something like that. If you're around people who say, I just love to pray. And I'm so glad I'm not like those people who are so distracted on their phones and busy with this and busy with that. I just love prayer. If you feel discouraged when you hear people talk like that, Jesus has a word for you. Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, 
God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we pray to the Father through the Son, Jesus. We are only worthy of prayer because of the grace found through Jesus. And this ought to humble us because we can't just walk up to the Holy One as if it's based on our own goodness and to begin make requests to God. No, it's because of Jesus and his goodness, his holiness, his justifying us, that we can come before God. This humbles those of us who might carry on in our lives and say, I just love praying, and I'm so glad I'm not like these addicted people and these troubled people. I'm just so glad, right? You know the kind of heart that God responds to? Is the kind of person that says, I'm so unworthy. And only if God would be merciful to me 10 times over the average person could I ever come into the holiness and the presence of God. And it's only through Jesus that allows us to do that. So those of us who are thinking, I'm too unclean, I'm too unworthy, I don't even know the beginnings and the ends of this Bible thing. I don't know where to begin. Only if God would be merciful to me. And I hope that what you can hear today is God is willing to be merciful to you. It's a sincerity of heart. It's the attitude of knowing who God is and who we are in light of the holiness of God. So I want to talk about one more scripture verse and the musicians can come as I close. In Revelation... Chapter 3, verse 20. These are also the words of Jesus. Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And as I was reflecting on this verse, I got to thinking about how there's two kinds of prayers. We can have prayers with the door closed and we can have prayers with the door open. When we pray with our door closed, we are saying, I want all the benefits of prayer, but I don't want to give my life over to God. We're saying, I want peace and joy and guidance, but I need control. You say, I want all of these good things, but I want to keep some of my favorite sins to help me get through the pressures of this life. Or like the Pharisee, you pray with the door closed thinking, I pray because of my own merit, because I'm just so good. God is just so blessed to have my company. Your door is closed. You're talking to God through the cracks of the door. You're talking to God through the peephole. You hear the knock and you're like, who is this? Oh, it's you. Now's not a good time. What is it you want? 
I don't have time. All right, I'll open the door, but we're just going to have a brief conversation in the doorway, okay? You can come in, but don't go in this door or this door or that door. Those rooms are filthy. I'm embarrassed. You can come in. Promise me not to talk about it. I'm not ready to talk to you about that. Perhaps for some of us today, the first step in entering into a habit of prayer is simply to recognize that God is standing at the door and knocking. And all you have to do is open the door. challenge to you and I in opening that door is not that we have to therefore work really hard to be really good. Challenge is by trusting that he will be good to us when we open the door. You can open the door in all of our shame, all of our embarrassment, all of our pride, whatever it is, filthiness of our rooms, and open the door and our part is to trust that he will be good to us, he will be merciful to us, all because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. For those of you who have walked with God for many, many seasons, Jesus also knocks on your door and he's asking, will you let me inhabit more of your life to take over more? Lay things down that you're trying to be in control of. Open those doors. We can pray to God in all seasons. He loves us. He cares for us no matter how sinful, ugly, shameful, embarrassed we may feel right now. The biggest difference between prayers with the door closed and prayers with the door open is when the door's open, we can have a meal. We can have fellowship. We can have an intimate relationship with God. When the door's closed, we're having a conversation, mostly one way. We're not having a meal. How many of you want to have a meal with Jesus? And so we're invited to never stop praying, never stop surrendering, never stop opening the door. We may be opening the door for the first time. Others of us may be opening the door for the seventh time or the 77th time. But now is a moment for each of us to hear that knock again in all of our shame, all of our weariness, all of our doubt. Just say, Lord, I'm a little, a little shy. I don't, I don't want you to shed light on these things. But all right, come in. If you're able, can we stand? Wouldn't it invite us to respond? Pray for us. There's a prayer team in the back for those of you who would like some help with your prayers particular, if, if, if you're feeling like, oh man, yeah, God is knocking at my door. It might be the first time. It might be the 77th time, but he's knocking at my door and he's saying, I want all of you. I want to have a meal with you. I want to be with you in every conversation of every day. So open the door. Let me come in. Let me clean out your closets. Let me do the work. Let me be your strength.
Lord, would you forgive us for the times when we keep the door closed, when we make sure all the locks are locked firmly secure in our hearts, out of fear, out of thinking we're not good enough, whatever it is. Would you give us the grace to trust you today in a new way? You are good. You want to do good to us. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name.